Welcome to this iBiology seminar. My name is Michael Simons and I will speak about myelination, remyelination and multiple sclerosis. So this seminar is divided into two parts. I will start and give an overview about progressive multiple sclerosis, myelination and remyelination and Christina Stadelmann um, will then take over and talk about the neuropathology of multiple sclerosis. So just to remind you that uh, multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease that leads to an inflammatory attack, probably against the myelin sheet, that results in multifocal inflammatory lesions that you can see here in the MRI by these white spots. These hyperintense lesions are then highlighted in the neuropathological images, and you can see here the three hallmarks of MS. The first is inflammation, so there is infiltration of B cells, T cells, and in particular macrophages. The second hallmark is demyelination, you can see myelin in blue, and a completely demyelinated area in white. The second hallmark, the third hallmark, is um, axonal loss, so in a lesion there is also partial axonal um, damage or injury. The typical MS uh, clinical course is shown here. So typically it starts as a relapsing, remitting disease where patients develop symptoms and then they recover from these relapses, at least partially, and this is repeats over and over again until um, one or two decades or so when the disease then um, converts into a progressive phase, the secondary progressive MS. There are two extreme forms of this. One is relapsing, remitting um, MS without progression into um, secondary progressive MS. And the other extreme is primary progressive MS where there is not, no relapses and the patients um, immediately uh, start with the progressive phase. So in this progressive phase, the symptoms that the patients develop are irreversible. Now, while there are good treatment options for relapsing, remitting MS, the treatment for secondary progressive MS or primary progressive MS is, is um, not possible. So therefore, it is important to understand how progressive MS um, develops. So if you look at the pathology, then the acute focal lesions, they decrease gradually um, over time. However, there is a second pathology which increases. This is a global or diffuse pathology, and this consists of widespread neurodegeneration or and diffuse um, um, inflammation. Now, a key question is to understand how the focal pathology can convert into a global um, diffuse pathology. So how this really happens is not known. Um, I can just present a few ideas here how the pathology spreads. So the the white, the box here is the brain, and you have um, four inflammatory lesions within this brain. Now, some of these lesions um, may resolve, so the inflammation may um, disappear over time, while in other lesions, the inflammation may persist. And this could serve as a nucleus where immune cells may in enter or infiltrate the brain. In addition, the immune cells from the periphery may enter the brain from the edges or from the meninges into the brain. So at the end, you have a focal inflammation, which converts into a diffuse inflammation, which may have different components. One is the uh, cells from the periphery, which have entered the brain, and the other might be the, um, the microglia, the resident macrophages of the brain that have become activated. Now, not only inflammation um, is likely to spread, but also the uh, tissue damage. So in the 
Green spots, again, are areas where a lesion is formed, where you have focal tissue injury. Some of these lesions may recover by remyelination, so this is the process where new myelin sheets are formed again. However, in some of the lesions, the damage may persist. Now, because the cells in the brain are highly connected and they depend on each other, um, a damage to the myelin sheet may lead to secondary axonal damage. This, again, might also affect other neurons and spread within the brain. So then, at the end, you have a focal tissue injury which have become more diffuse and uh, widespread. Now, the brain is at risk for spreading of the, uh, diseases um, because the cells are highly connected and the cells depend on each other. So oligodendrocytes depend on neurons, and the neurons um, depend um, on the oligodendrocytes. Now, if this is really proven, is not known, this is just a hypothesis of how a focal uh, disease can um, be converted to a global disease. Now, is remyelination failing in MS? So this is a brain here um, stained in blue, the myelin sheet, and with light blue arrows, you see um, chronically demyelinated plaques in white. So um, most of the plaques, in fact, are, are not remyelinated, but with these red arrows, you see um, two plaques which where remyelination was successful, and is formed, um, you can see this light blue uh, staining, which um, indicates so-called shadow plaques that remyelination has take pla taken place. So if you quantify this over different many patients and uh, brains, um, then the number is around that 20% of the lesions can recover, can remyelinate, while 80% um, fail to do so. So indeed, there is a failure of remyelination, at least uh, in great parts. Now, this failure of remyelination could contribute to the spread of axonal damage. So I will start um, now by giving you a bit of a background about myelination. So about oligodendrocytes um, and the myelin sheet, the function, the structure, and development of myelin before uh, discussing how myelin supports axons and then talk about remyelination in MS. This is the first drawing of an oligodendrocytes um, by Ortega, and you can see in this drawing the cell body and then there's many, many different fine processes. So each of these fine processes ends up in a myelin sheet and uh, around uh, 50 uh, or so myelin sheets are formed by one oligodendrocyte in a, a human brain. So damage to one of these cells have, of course, uh, big consequences because you lose uh, many different myelin sheets on different axons. This is how myelin looks in an electron microscopy um, image. So you can see in the cross-section that this different layers of membrane are really tightly connected. There's almost no cytoplasma in between. And only at the edges of the myelin segments, um, the myelin loses this compact structure, paranodal loops are formed, and those are tightly attached um, to the axons. These areas in between the myelin segment are called nodes of Ranvier. They are shown here. So these are where the sodium channels are clustered, where action potential are generated. And this action potential then jumps from one node to the other. And this is the basis of saltatory nerve conduction, which speeds up um, nerve transmission by a factor of 100 compared to unmyelinated axon. It also saves energy because um, uh, the neuron uh, will need not, doesn't need to make the action potential at, uh, only at the nodes of frontiers. A second important function of um, myelin, this has been established by Klaus Nave and Jeff Rostin, is the metabolic support of axons. So um, 
the oligodendrocyte produces glycolytic products like lactate and pyruvate, and these products then diffuse through the oligodendrocytes, through the myelin sheet, into the axons. So, so to say, the um, oligodendrocyte fuels the axons with energy products. Another important function is um, the modulation of neuronal networks by myelin. So there is evidence that some tasks that have been learned are associated with, with forming new myelin sheets. For example, uh, shown by MRI studies, that piano playing can lead to changes in the white matter and possibly um, correlates with uh, myelin sheets. So myelin that, uh, is also important to change the behavior, the function um, of uh, neuronal networks. I will now talk about how myelin is formed. I will start with normal development before going to MS. So you see here in this uh, picture is blue, um, the myelin stain, and you see how it starts in one area and it spreads within the brain. So the most intense phase of producing myelin is in the first year of a human, and then it goes on for several more years until large areas of the brain have been filled uh, with myelin. The latest uh, last part would be the frontal cortex, so the more complex areas are uh, myelinated uh, the latest. So myelination is a multi-step process, and I will divide this into four different parts. So the first part is the specification of oligodendrocyte precursor cells. This is now a spinal cord cross-section of a mouse, and these blue areas are the areas where OPCs are born, are specified, and then they distribute within the spinal cord. And uh, the red area is a second wave of OPCs that are formed in a more dorsal, dorsal area that also distribute uh, within the spinal cord. The same principle holds true for the brain, where you have different centers where OPCs are specified and distribute um, within the brain. This is how um, it looks like in the brain. So in white, you have the OPCs. They are born in these uh, areas close to the ventricles. And these cells then migrate into the brain, they proliferate, and they um, settle in an evenly spaced um, distance to each other. So at the end, there's a dense network of OPCs that are kept into adulthood. Now, the third phase is the differentiation of some of these precursor cells. This occurs in different steps. So first, you have the precursor cell then pre-myelinating cells that we still have difficulties to recognize, um, but then a mature myelinating oligodendrocytes. And there are many factors that can regulate this differentiation process. I will not go into details, just mention that they're intrinsic and extrinsic factors. So the intrinsic, fa intrinsic factors are transcription factors that need to be turned on in a different manner. And extrinsic factors come from the environment, from other cells. For example, wind signaling has to be turned off, or um, electric activity of axons um, promotes the differentiation process. The last process is the generation of the myelin sheet. So when the cells have differentiated, they send out the process. And this process has to recognize now the axons to be myelinated. The recognition process has not been, uh, molecules have not been identified so far. But once the recognition um, attachment is established, then this membrane moves around the axon um, in a particular way. How it moves around, I will show in this video. So in uh, green, you have the axon. In the left corner, you have an oligodendrocyte that will send out the process. And you see how this process now attaches the axons and wraps around it, 
um, and then at the same time, um, there's an extension of the layers to the side. So the inner layer is actually the one that moves around the axon. Now, in a multiple sclerosis lesion, these different steps are recapitulated, or some of these steps. So you see an acute lesion here. Myelin has been removed. You only see the axons in green now. And the oligodendrocyte precursor cells are now recruited into this lesion. Which signals exactly, if these are the same as in development, is not completely known. But probably also signals from microglia or macrophages will contribute. Once they have uh, settled in the lesion, the second step is the differentiation of these cells. So they will now become more complex, send out uh, different processes that will attach to the axons and wrap the membrane um, around the axon. Now, not all lesions are successful in remyelinating. So in fact, uh, the minority only, the majority of lesions look like this. So you have a lesion, myelin has been removed, you have some oligodendrocyte precursor cells in the surrounding of the lesion. They have not made it into the lesion. Instead, you have now astrocytes that have formed a scar. Um, there are also extracellular matrix components which have been deposited within the chronic lesion. Now, it would be important in individual patients to see which uh, lesions can remyelinate and which lesions remain as chronic lesions which are unable to remyelinate. So MRI would be the ideal measurement, so, but unfortunately there is not a specific sequence where we can recognize myelin. But progress has been made with seven Tesla MRI study, and I can uh, will um, show you a study performed by Daniel Reich. So they uh, looked at different patients and looked at these lesions for more than one year and looked at evolution of the lesion. For simplicity, I will show you a cartoon of this and not the actual MRI images. So in the upper row, you see in red the in immune cells that have uh, forming this acute lesion. Now, some of these immune cells will resolve, and there will be a rim um, that can be seen in MRI as a paramagnetic rim, immune cells at the edges. Now, if this rim um, persists, then it correlates with poor recovery, so with no remyelination. So this was shown in a... Um, in an autopsy where one of these lesions was basically um, analyzed, and you can see in blue the myelin stain again. You can see it's a completely demyelinated lesion, and at the edges is this inflammatory rim, and if you focus into these cells, you see macrophages loaded with iron. So this is an um, uh, indication of poor recovery of a lesion. Not all lesions develop like this, so there were also lesions which were able to recover by MIA criteria. Again, red, the inflammation. You see this paramagnetic uh, ring, but now this ring uh, does not uh, persist. It's a transient ring, and this is, uh, correlates with a better recovery. If you now plot these different type of lesions for different patients, then an interesting pattern emerges. So the young patients are those that have a um, transient paramagnetic rim, so have good recovery, and the older patients are those uh, which have um, um, poor recovery. Now, why does um, remyelination fail in MS? So one hypothesis in the field that there is a differentiation block in the lesion. So OPCs are somehow recruited to the edges of the lesions, but signals are, are missing that will instruct these cells to differentiate into myelinating oligodendrocytes. So efforts have been made 
to identify um, compounds that can promote the differentiation of these cells. Different high-throughput uh, screens have been performed, and some of these drugs um, are now entering uh, first clinical trials. And we hope, of course, that uh, we'll um, have some uh, remyelination therapies in the future. So why is remyelination important? I mentioned that um, remyelination is probably important to preserve the axon in the long run. So the structure of the axon, but also to provide the axon with um, metabolites, with trophic support. Um, not only loss of myelin um, could be a problem, but also myelin dysfunction. So here you have a myelin sheet. And if you focus into this myelin sheet, there are areas where there is some cytoplasma. And these cytoplasmic areas are important for the metabolism of the myelin sheet and also to get metabolites across the myelin sheet to the axons, probably. And we know that the dysfunction of the cytoplasmic channel is associated with late-onset axonal degeneration. If this occurs in MS, it's not known, but this is a second possibility that uh, myelin dysfunction can also lead to axonal damage. At the end, I want to summarize the main points. So in, in MS, in progressive MS, there is a focal pathology which has, been, has spread to a more global pathology. Um, we know that remyelination is insufficient um, in MS. So most lesions are, in fact, not remyelinated. Um, remyelination is a process that recapitulates many of the steps that occurs in development. And um, remyelination is important probably to uh, preserve uh, long-term survival of the axons. And I will end here. Thank you very much for your attention.